Welcome to the Leander ISD, our first time doing a Board Briefs podcast. So what you're going to hear today is a review and summary of the special March 31st, 2020 Board of Trustees meeting that we hosted here in Leander ISD. And then we will have the entire audio from our meeting to follow. So I'm Corey Ryan, Chief Communications Officer in Leander ISD. Welcome as we continue to expand the Leander ISD podcast network and give our community, students, staff, teachers, parents, families, business owners, partners, everyone who wants to know more about Leander ISD. We want to give you access to all the information. This was an interesting discussion. I'm going to give you the highlights. The bottom line is that learning will continue even as our buildings close as we continue to respond to the novel coronavirus COVID-19 global pandemic. In order to maintain equity and in consideration of the mental fatigue remote learning has on families, students, and teachers, second semester grades for the 2019-20 school year will not be calculated for student grade point average or class rank. The board met virtually in a Zoom conference last night Um, And they also, in their action, granted Superintendent Bruce Gearing the authority to readjust policy DEA local and to require all LISD staff to be available for work starting April 6th, even though most employees will do so in a remote capacity. In doing so, the district will no longer offer premium pay, which was our practice for hourly employees that actively worked while school facilities have been closed since March 13th. Um, we have the complete agenda and everything online and the meeting and the video. And again, I'm going to play the audio here after. Um, this special meeting occurred just hours after Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced an executive order to extend social distancing, distancing restrictions, including the closure of school buildings through May 4th. During the meeting, trustees engaged in deep discussion on the district's temporary updates to EIC Local. That's the policy that was tweaked in the meeting. Um, The update will include the following. Class rank will be based on the semester average after the end of the third grading period, or the first semester, for current high school seniors. All student grades for the spring or second semester that we're in right now for the 2019-20 school year will be pass or incomplete. And GPA will be calculated on the semester average after that third grading period, or the first semester that was finished earlier in the 2019-20 school year for all high school students. In considering the proposal, trustees debated the impact of their decision as it relates to students who are competing for college admission, teachers and students who are dealing with health concerns, and the direction of the district continuing remote learning. I encourage you, implore you to listen to the discussion if you're interested in this topic and to hear where our trustees came in as this was something that nobody wants to have to do, but we understand that it's about the greater good and helping to flatten the curve and remote learning has now been the mandate by the Texas Education the Texas Education Agency, DEA, and our governor. And we are committed to continuing to provide opportunities and to keep our people first and doing this as best we can. LISD will be sharing additional information about our phase two remote learning plan later today. That's April 1st, where this will include the addition of new material to prepare students for grade level advancement. Currently through the first phase of this, since we got back from spring break, we've been focusing on going back and providing additional information on content that's already been learned. Um, We haven't made assignments mandatory. Moving forward, that learning will look more like it traditionally does um, in that we will be providing assignments. It's no longer optional, but grades will be pass or incomplete. 
Um, we are also announcing today our plans for Chromebook laptops to be distributed to elementary students who have limited or no access to devices at home. Um, we will also have advice for staff members on new procedures to working while our buildings are closed. And with that, I leave you with the March 31st, 2020 Special Board of Trustees All right, meeting. I now call to, call to order the March 31st, 2020 Special Meeting of the Leander Independent School Board of Trustees meeting. Corinne, will you call roll? Trish Bodie. Here. Aaron Johnson. Here. Grace Barber Jordan. Here. Gloria Gonzalez de Luckia. Here. Alexis Grimes. Here. Jim McKay. Here. Pamela Wagner. Here. A quorum of the members being present, we will now begin. Um, for viewers online and for those of us joining, we are meeting this evening with the authority of the governor's office via video conference to advance the public health goal of limiting face-to-face -face meetings to slow the spread of coronavirus, COVID-19, and to take, uh, to take action this evening. Um, uh, we have three action items and an update on COVID-19. First, I would also like to thank our administration and technology staff for making the technology possible for the board to meet in this manner. I'd also like to thank the governor for um, allowing the uh, local government functions to continue in this manner. This meeting is being live streamed on the LISD website and recorded. The recording will be made available to the public. Additionally, members of the public who seek to exercise their right under straight state law to address the board on an item for agenda for tonight's meeting have the ability to do so in the manner listed on the notice for the meeting. And uh, board members, we actually do have some people who have signed up for citizens' comments this evening. Um, as our staff continues with their heroic efforts, I am still in awe and very thankful for our Leander ISD family. That includes, of course, our parents and students. We are better together, even when it's virtual, as I've said before. And uh, we will be having some interesting sessions tonight. We are an team moving board, but remember our vision is the same. Tonight we come together working on items critical to the district to deliver instruction and resources to the 42,000 in our district. Um, so at this time, we can proceed to citizen comments. And I have citizens ready to speak. I need to um, do a little, little blurb here. Uh, members of the committee wishing to address the board may do so during this time. The comments of position are The board asks that comments pertaining to public education no longer be People who wish to participate in this meeting must submit a request online prior to the meeting. Thank you in advance for your comments. Remember, board members cannot interact with discussions. You are just going to give your remarks for three minutes. And I believe Mark will be uh, signaling some type of time. We'll figure this out as we go along. Um, with that, who do we have uh, for our first speaker? Uh, our first speaker this evening is Trenton Blitzo. You will have three minutes to address the Board of Trustees. You will hear a chime when your three minutes are up. Please be courteous and conclude your comments after the chime. We need Trenton to take off his mute button, though. Sorry about that. No worries. Thank you so much, Trenton, for joining us this evening. Of course. All right. Did you hear everything Laura Lynn just told you? 
Um, I heard the ending, uh, the chime at the three minute mark. Sure, I'll yeah. say it one more time for you. Sorry about that. So you will oh, have three, three minutes to address the board of trustees and you will hear a chime when your three minutes are up. And we ask that you please be courteous and conclude your comments after the chime. All right, thank you. Okay, so I believe that not updating GPA and class ranks would provide no incentive to fully learn course material. If the district follows through with this, uh, students will take advantage of the situation in order to do the bare minimum, and we'll see it as a pass or fail system, which requires only a minimum amount of effort and uh, doesn't really reward or reflect, uh, reflect the effort of students who strive for academic excellence. Uh, other than class credit and fear of truancy, there would be no motivation for students to actively participate since there is no reward for their efforts. And uh, for students who are dedicated to improving their grades and GPA, the exclusion of this semester uh, can be devastating to them. Uh, class rank and GPA reflects the dedication of students or lack thereof. Uh, for those who believe in doing our best, we will not only lose all the hard work we already put in this semester, uh, but we'll also lose the ability to improve our situation as well. Uh, for those students not focused on their GPA or class rank, they will be rewarded if this goes through with a system that provides no incentive and no accountability for their grades. If the district does not have a standard to reflect a student's effort, then there'd be no reason to attend class other than to receive credit. So to help curb these concerns, I recommend, instead of a no GPA rank update, the board omits the fifth cycle from GPA calculations rather than the entire semester. And I say this because students have already received two weeks of supplemental phase one learning and will receive another week of phase two online learning before the next cycle begins. Uh, therefore, the vast majority of students uh, would have already adapted to the online learning. Uh, and for seniors such as myself, uh, since graduation may be canceled or postponed, the sixth cycle should be used in GPA calculations and the fifth cycle should be omitted as well. And I respectfully believe this is the most fair way to deal with these special circumstances that the district has been facing. And that's it. Thank you. Trent, thank you so much. All right. I understand we have another speaker who signed up to talk. Uh, yes, ma'am. Our, our next speaker is Keith Howerton. All right. Keith Howerton. Um, you have joined the board meeting. Would you mind taking your mic off of mute so you can speak? And Laura Lynn will give you a brief update before you start. Mr. Howerton, thank you for joining us. You will have three minutes to address the board of trustees, and you will hear a chime when your three minutes are up. Please be courteous and conclude your comments after the chime. Okay, great. So uh, can you hear me? I assume you can. Yeah, yes, I can. Thank you so awesome. much. You're welcome. Uh, my name is Keith Howerton, and uh, my son is a freshman at Mr. Ridge, and I wanted to speak on his behalf today. 
Um, despite the extenuating circumstances, we feel that it is unfair to not include the second semester grades for the 19 and 20 school year. Um, as uh, the previous caller mentioned, it rewards those that underachieved and punishes those that overachieved for 10 out of the 18 weeks in the existing semester. Um, as a freshman, the, the first semester was an adjustment period for, for my son, and it wasn't until most of the way through that he was able to digest the amount of effort that is required to succeed, which he maintained until the spring break, and he should be rewarded for those efforts. Uh, it was not until after spring break that the students or the district experienced any impact from the COVID-19 virus. So that means, again, 10 of the 18 weeks of the, two, the second semester um, were completed. Um, so it is my opinion that all students should be given the opportunity in the remaining weeks to correct any poor grades, perhaps. Um, and uh, we should use all the grades to date to, um, to calculate the second semester. Uh, if you choose so, no new material might not be expected or no new assignments, but I agree again with the previous caller that this incentivizes people not participating. So um, I think by having the grades remain intact that um, it'll uh, promote students and teachers to engage and allow for future learning. Uh, it'll allow you for you to work out the kinks to the remote system. Um, and it'll promote social distancing because we're not sure how long this might last or when we might need it again in the future. Um, and so I believe that uh, you can encourage your teachers to give everyone the opportunity to improve their grades for the second semester, even leeway to adjust grades, but that the bottom line is my son will be negatively impacted if not given the opportunity to count the grades he's earned in the second semester. Thank you for everyone's time. Thank you so much, Mr. Howerton. All right, I understand we have one more individual signed up to speak. Yes, ma'am. All right. Uh, Mandy Seaholm. All right, Ms. Seaholm, you've joined our board meeting. If you would not mind taking your uh, mic off of mute so we can hear your comments before you begin, Ms. Laura Lynn Atterbury is going to have a, a couple, actually, Dr. Laura Lynn Atterbury has a few words for you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, you will have three minutes to address the Board of Trustees, and you will hear a chime when your three minutes are up. Please be courteous and conclude your comments after the chime. Okay. Can can you hear me? Yes. Is this Mandy Seaholm? Well, this is her husband, Slade. Okay. okay. Hi. Uh, basically, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, so you're speaking and, and not M Mandy then? Yes. Okay. Just make sure we've got our records correct. Thank you so okay. much, Mr. Seaholm. Yeah. Let me go ahead and begin. Okay. Uh, uh, basically, uh, what we want to do here is, is express that uh, the kids that are working hard uh, to get their GPA up, uh, so why not use the, like the fourth six weeks grades that have already been recorded? Uh, these students have already worked hard to receive those grades. Um, uh, they weren't affected during that time, so we're just saying why not use those? 
Um, and if they are doing the work later for a grade, uh, why not use those grades too? It, it just makes sense. If, if you're telling students that it's either a P or an F, a, you know, a pass or fail, uh, what's their motivation at this point? You know, these kids are working towards college, like my daughter, who's a junior, who, in, who needs that GPA for, to apply for college. Uh, and, and they're working, uh, you know, uh, towards these high grades and now are being bucketed to, with those that are just doing what it takes to get a pass. Um, we don't feel like it's fair for those kids that are working hard and have been for years not to use those grades that they've earned for college and for their rank. Um, we want all six weeks uh, to to be counted, basically. Um, after these two weeks of non-graded materials, there will be new material that will be introduced and and graded. Uh, and those grades uh, should count as well. And and that's that's basically it. Mr. Sihon, thank you so much for yeah. interacting no with me. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I'd like to confirm with either Mark or Terrence that we don't have anybody else uh, signed up for citizens' comments before we go into our agenda. That is confirmed. That does conclude our citizens' comments. All right, wonderful. Well, board members, that concludes our first foray into virtual citizen comments. And we all uh, did wonderfully, I think. And uh, I could hear our citizens loud and clear, so that was great. All right, we now need to move on into the next agenda item, which is the coronavirus COVID-19 update. And Dr. Gehring will lead us off in that presentation. Thank you very much, President Bodie. Um, I'm going to run pretty quickly through some of this. We will pause um, after the situational awareness uh, update because I would like some board interaction in that middle, but I'll let you know. Um, I'd like to start just with uh, where we are with cases globally, of course, um, almost 850,000 cases now worldwide, 41,000 fatalities, um, but over 176,000 people fully recovered now. Um, which is about a three to one ratio of recovered to fatalities. In the US, about 175,000 cases with about 3,400 deaths. In Texas, 3,200 cases um, with 41 deaths. In Travis County, we currently have 206 cases. And in Williamson County, 42 cases. Um, on the situational awareness part, uh, we did all hear, of course, President Trump extend, extending the social distance until April 30th. And then at 2 p.m. today, of course, our governor um, in a press conference announced that um, he is also adapting the order that they we have in the state of Texas to expand the social distancing until May 4th. And as part of that has now closed all schools in the state until May 4th. Um, we're still determining exactly uh, what that ending date means, um, but I, I don't think we need to concern ourselves with that right now. Um, right now, I'd like a little bit of board interaction, if we can, on the communication that we're giving out. We just sent out a communication to say that we're extending our closure to um, April 13th, and now we're uh, moving to May the 4th. Um, some school districts, as you've seen, uh, are rather saying uh, things are changing so rapidly and, and uh, things are very uncertain. 
And so we're going to maintain the current status uh, for the time being. And then we'll give you due notice. Um, for instance, we'll give you a full week's notice before we're about to open again. Um, so Eans ISD, for instance, for an example, is one of those who has done that. And so they're not going to be communicating anything special because of the governor's announcement today. So I just wanted to check in with the board and get your feeling on, do you want us to just make an announcement of extending our closure to May 4th? Or would you like us to rather send something that's a little more ambiguous with this ability to say we will inform you a week before we we're going to reopen? I think at this point we know it's May 4th or later. So I think it's better to inform our community of that. And I think a lot of our community already expects that or knows that based on the governor's um, press conference, but some of them may not. So rather than leaving any any of that anxiety or you know any of those questions hanging out, I like the idea of just putting that out right now and letting our families know that we're matching that May 4th and we'll let you know, you know, similar to what Eames did. That's that's just my opinion. I'd rather give our family as much information, as much notice as possible. Yeah, I agree with Gloria. I had an interesting question though today. I, I didn't think about it, but the question really was, is, uh, does this just mean our buildings or does this mean learning altogether? So I think we just need to clarify to the community that we're just, that, that orders for the buildings. It doesn't mean learning and what that looks like. So I, just a clarity to our community, if indeed we're going to continue distance learning and where we're going. Yes. Yeah, so just to clarify, that is the intent um, that we did have a call with the commissioner after the press conference today. Um, and so we are going to continue with our distance learning. Um, and that will enter phase two starting next Monday, April 6th. Um, and so, uh, yes, for, for the extended time, we will certainly be continuing our distance learning. Yeah, Bruce, for my part, I think, um, as Gloria indicated, and, and Pam, I think we can easily, obviously, communicate the, the new May date based on the governor's announcement. Uh, my only uh, reservation with the alternative approach you've suggested is um, it, it suggests we'll only give a week's warning before we go back to school. Um, I would encourage us to be thinking further ahead and strive to give our community more notice um, than just a week before we go back to school or what our plans are. I think as we, um, well, I think that leaves our community potentially wondering uh, if they don't hear from us for a while about what our plans are. And so, um, but I think that's the potential downside of that approach. And, and I think I kind of like how we've been doing it. Uh, I just like us to keep looking further ahead and trying to give our community as much notice as possible. Um, so all of our, our trustees points, I like kind of this, the blended idea. I'm definitely about letting our community know we have heard, we are aware of the May 4th. I do wonder if there's some way if maybe a week does sound a bit um, too quick for notice of just wait and we'll give you one week's notice if that if we need to soften it a bit and say you know when we know of when we're returning we'll let you know um, or something to do a blend um, maybe there's a way to soften that language a bit but I do think there's a 
subtle change from telling our community, we're closing it for this deadline, we're closing it for this deadline, we're closing it for this deadline. I feel like there's something maybe in the messaging and what I'm hearing, what you're saying Eames is doing, and in some other districts as well, where they're saying, okay, we realize we're gonna have to be closed for a longer period of time. We'll talk about when we're gonna open. And that kind of lets your community know that conversation happens at another time. We'll have a conversation on what it's gonna look like when we're open, how that's gonna happen, Right now, we're focusing on what it looks like being closed temporarily. So I, I do I do like that kind of blended approach as far as exactly how that word looks. I don't know if we want to say wait for one week and then we'll tell you one week before we open. Maybe we can uh, address that a little bit better. I had one additional thought I guess I wanted to share as I think about this practically and as I think uh, many members of our community are thinking about this. Now that we have the May 4th date from the governor, really practically speaking the next question we have to answer is are we going to go back to school in may or are we going to call it for the semester and when will we know that um, i think that's the final question that remains uh for now uh, or, or at least is the next question that we'll need to answer and then um, my my question i guess is when do we uh what's what's the deadline to make that decision um, or, or what's our timetable to announce that decision? So um, I, th I think this is, of course, very fresh news for us. Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit the last time, that this is potentially a, a Texas two-step that we close until May now, um, but the next closure will be potentially for the semester. And so um, I Again, things are changing so rapidly um, that I'm hesitant to make any kind of statement about that closure um, at this point, but certainly that gives us, you know, at least two weeks uh, of information over the next two weeks to see what happens um, before we have to potentially make that next hop decision. But I think you're right, um, Aaron, is that the next stop is potentially the rest of the semester. So Bruce, what do you think about the suggestion of being able to let the public know we're gonna be closed we'll let you know when we're open to kind of change that dynamic a bit how does that work and how would you soften it so it's not like you're going to get seven days before we open our doors because i imagine you are thinking maybe a little bit before that yeah i, I think uh, certainly with the governor's announcement today i think we can send a very clear message that we're absolutely in the current situation until may 4th um, and that we're going to be monitoring the situation very carefully. And as soon as we can, we will make a decision about extending closure longer than that. Um, but, you know, that will hopefully happen in the next several weeks. But, but I think we need to give ourselves also the opportunity to try to reopen school if at all possible, um, especially for our seniors, even if it's that last two weeks of school, um, to allow them some of those ceremonial endings to the year that they've worked hard to achieve. And before we get the, the emails, because I can hear them being composed right now as we speak, we're not saying that we do it before the all clear, before we have health information that says it's okay to go back. You're just talking about based on if we got that information that it was okay, we, you kind of want to leave that open so we can send our kiddos back, but that's what we hear. Yes, ma'am. I think you said that exactly right. All right. Board members, any other comments? Our thoughts on this? Okay. 
Thank you for that guidance. I appreciate that. Just a couple of other quick updates um, on teaching and learning. Uh, we have remote learning agreement in place uh, that will go out um, shortly for our teachers. Um, we also have some remote learning guides for parents and a parent hub, which will be going out tomorrow, I believe. Um, we are working really hard to improve our one-on-one -on -one communication with our special needs families to make sure that we really are meeting those needs, if at all possible. Um, and so I encourage those families to let us know if, if they're not getting, getting the help and the communication that they need. Um, on school support, we had a great principal meeting today via Zoom. Um, we have a frequently asked question document that's been constantly updated as principals ask questions. Our team are, is trying to answer those questions as thoroughly and as quickly as possible. Um, and principals are getting updates every Friday about where we are with uh, um, learning and where we are with building closures and things like that. Um, on the human resources side, we have a remote work document that's going to go out tomorrow. Um, on the food service side, we served over 13,000 meals to students last week. Um, we had 3, 000, over 3,000 meals served yesterday in the rain. Um, we have had further guidance from TDA. We are, in fact, not allowed to serve students all seven days. And so we're working hard with our backpack program to make sure that those families who are in dire need are getting the food and the service that they need for the weekends. Um, we did receive notice today that our vendors are starting to run low on paper goods. And so um, the delivery in paper sacks is probably going to shift in, in the next few days as we start to manage how to, how to get by um, without those deliveries happening. On the business side, um, the state keeps assuring us that, that state dollars are going to continue to flow for the time being. Um, we are working on making sure that we have waivers, et cetera, ready to go. Um, the attendance waivers that will be required will only actually happen probably in our May board meeting. And so there's still time to, to get those done. And we are working on um, current year and next year budgets um, intensely as we go through the next couple of weeks. Our facilities do remain tightly closed. Um, and by that, I mean, we're really trying to keep as anybody out of those buildings if at all possible. Um, our deep clean is almost 100% complete. We still have a little bit of work to do at Cedar Park High School because of the construction. And construction is continuing as much as possible and where possible. We are really monitoring closely our summer projects coming up to make sure that we know when that drop dead date is, um, when we can decide whether we're going to actually go forward with those projects or not. On the technology front, we did make a decision that we will be distributing devices starting next week, especially to our elementary students. Those will be Chromebooks that have already had um, safety devices um, installed on them to make sure that our students say st stay safe uh, online while they're at home and not on our internet and our network. Um, and we will be doing, of course, secondary catch up as well with those and then any staff who have um, access needs to technology, we will be catching up those with next week. Communications, uh, last couple of weeks, we've been doing daily up updates to the community. Uh, starting this week, we're on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule now with updates to the community. Um, we have lots of tools happening for both internal and external stakeholders. Um, we're trying not to deluge people with information and too many emails. Um, so we're talking carefully to our instructional folks to make sure that they um, 
you know, are trying to streamline those communications as much as possible. And then we do have another Facebook live event at 4.30 tomorrow evening. And so we encourage people to join us. Um, we'll try to keep that a little bit upbeat if we can, uh, while also giving you as many updates and access to asking questions uh, that we'll try to answer as best we can. Um, and that concludes my updates. Thank you. Dr. Gehring, thank you so much. I have a couple of questions and, and board members, I'll, I'll be looking for y'all as well if y'all have other questions. Um, the food uh, distribution, how are we doing with food safety? Are we able to keep our ratios down, uh, working with only 10 people or no larger than the group? How is that working for the district and the disbursement? Will that also be something we continue as we do the disbursement of the Chromebooks? And do we think we'll be able to meet and reach every elementary student that needs for our Chromebooks? I caught I think the first two parts of that question. I may have missed the last part, so let me answer the first two first. I'm actually going to ask John Graham, since he's on, uh, to address the food service question for us. So I can address the food service and the technology if, if Laura Lynn wants me to. Um, we are still maintaining the social distancing. We are wearing masks. We have a mask on each of the employees as they come into contact with each other and the students and the parents as they pick up food and, of course, gloves, and that we are still using all the disinfectant at any time someone touches one of our devices or uh, delivery methods without gloves on. Uh, we even clean them when we have our gloves on. And so uh, we are taking all measures that we, we have available to us to keep our, our CNS staff safe. We carried over those measures into the backpack program. And so when we delivered food uh, Friday this past week for backpack, we used the same method, gloves, mask, and carts to deliver the food. And uh, um, Kristen Wicketts and Matt Prowsey have been working together from technology and then, our, of course, Kristen's our district nurse on making sure that we put the same type of measures in place for our, our staff that will be working on the delivery of devices. So as we are gathering those devices, we're in mask and gloves. As we're delivering those uh, uh, masks or those devices, we're in mask and gloves and taking all the measures to clean our equipment. And do we think we're going to be able to meet needs for every elementary student that has a need for a Chromebook yet? Do we have numbers or thoughts on that yet? Now I will let Laura Lynn answer that one. We, um, at the moment, we have one-to-one -one at our grades three through five, and we have about a two-to-one ratio at grades pre-K through two. Um, we will be deploying uh, Chromebooks um, because we've been able to supply some content filtering software on there. Um, we are going to be asking families that, if possible, that they utilize devices at home so that we can then utilize our devices for families who may not have access to them. So um, I, I hope that I will be able to deploy a device to every student who is in need of one, um, knowing that some of our families already have devices at their house uh, and they will continue to use those. So that, that's our goal, our goal and our hope, um, but we'll be sharing some information tomorrow and uh, the update from Corey's team. And then as far as grading, because we're going to be getting into that discussion later with one of our action items, but I'm curious as far as when we move into phase two, uh, can you help give the board an idea of what grading looks like for an elementary, middle, and high school, kind of where are our goals and what this new structure is going to look like, at least until May 4th or, or for the end of the semester, foreseeably? Yes, thank you. I'm going to call on Dr. Matt Benz to answer that. 
Sure. So I'm glad you asked. So here's, here's what we're going to be doing to monitor student progress. Um, and it does involve a little bit of discussion around what phase two actually entails. So, so the first thing that our curriculum coordinators did was narrow the curriculum down uh, to the essential learning targets or nuggets, those concepts and skills that would be needed uh, for that next level, the next grade level, the next course in the, in the sequence, et cetera, because you know, we, have, we have more left than we can teach. So we have to figure out what are the most important pieces. Uh, teaching and learning worked with, the, with campus staffs, with instructional coaches, with teacher leaders to identify one to two of those essential learning targets for each week. Uh, and then with, uh, with guidance and resources outlining what to teach, um, how to teach it, digital resources for delivery, extension activities, et cetera. But so teachers will assign students work with, with the expectation that students submit it then teachers will monitor the progress by, you know, giving students feedback, targeted feed, feedback, it, timely feedback um, that will assess the student mastery. But we're going to give feedback for feedback's true intended purpose, which is to um, identify um, conceptual misconceptions, identify where the areas are that students are struggling with the understanding piece and with the goal being that um, we are supporting students and facilitating their comprehension of the material and their learning, and we will be tracking that progress. Bottom line, teachers will be tracking um, progress based on the, the targets that were identified and students learning and understanding the targets. Matt, is this gonna be a numerical grade though? Is that what we're gonna see our system go into or can you give me some, uh, give the board more of an idea of what this might look like in these next few weeks? So we definitely envision it being more along the lines of a, a standards-based grading system similar to what we have been using in our um, with our primary grades for quite some time where it is focused on the learning and ensuring that the students are um, are mastering the concepts and skills that, that we've identified that are essential and that they need to be successful in the next level. Darren, you had your mic off. Did you have a question about that? I think I'd left it off. Um, I have a few questions, but I, I think I'll save them for the discussion of the, um, what's it called? <laughs> our action item. Yes. Our, yes, our resolution. Um, our resolution, that's the one. Tremendous, thank you, Erin. Matt, one other question on this, just so I, I can have a little bit of clarity, and I, I thank y'all so much, doing a lot of kind of uh, redesigning and retooling at a moment's notice, and you're doing an outstanding job. When we're talking about, we've already heard some parents talk about incentivizing students to participate and how grades help with that. Um, do you feel that these learning modules are, are kind of this, you're meeting these learning goals, targets are going to be um, incentive? And, and do you uh, foresee we're going to have to change this at some time? Should, are y'all going to come back to the board and let us know if y'all end up changing the structure? Or um, have you seen it work before? Could you help us understand that? Matt, not on mute, though. <laughs> I was looking for my mute, and it sometimes just randomly changes the screen view when I'm clicking towards the mute button, but um, thanks for your patience. Uh, I don't wanna you know, get into the whole uh, agenda item right this second, which we'll definitely have time for that, I'm sure. 
Um, but really, and this might go back to, you know, my experiences, I was a high school principal, but I spent the majority of my teaching time in elementary. And in elementary, we definitely do not count on grades um, or GPA to, to incentivize students to, uh, to be engaged in the learning and to try their best. Now, I do respect uh, the students that are, are hardworking, have that great work ethic, have a goal in mind, are ambitious, and are shooting for you know, those highest levels uh, of learning and the highest levels of, of accomplishment and applying to those prestigious colleges and everything else. And we do not, our intent is not to penalize them. Our intent is to provide equity across the whole system. But what I think um, truly uh, incentivizes or engages students, it starts in, and we believe in Leander ISD, I think that it starts with student or with parent relationships, or I mean with um, relationships with our students. And then it really um, continues with really high quality, engaging learning experiences and activities in the classroom. That is what um, we, we, as an elementary teacher, I knew that if students were bored or if students were not engaged in the learning, that it was my job to hook them. And I think that is really where we are at right now, where it is our job and our teachers are rising to that challenge. I can tell you to hook them with, and so are our coordinators who are working together with them to design activities that are gonna be um, relevant, engaging and interesting. And that is how we are going to motivate students to, um, to participate. Because as we'll get into in a minute, there are some validity, reliability, and calibration issues with starting up a remote learning environment from the ground up in a matter of uh, you know, weeks and, and then doing something as, um, so, and then trying to layer the, onto that a high stakes grading situation that can really um, create some inequities. Well, and, and Matt, thank you for, for waiting for the high school discussion until we get there. Thank you for um, giving me kind of the holistic idea, though, kind of where we're going as far as with uh, the distance learning. Board members, any other questions before we move out of this item? Y'all may not notice that I'm trying to make eye contact with each one of you. I'm not seeing a waving of a hand or anything, though. So without further ado. We will move on to our action items. The first action item for this evening is to consider approval of all employees returning to distance work on April 6th. Um, Dr. Gehring, are you presenting on that one? Yes, ma'am, thank you very much. Um, as we said originally, when we uh, had you approve the big resolution, um, which we're gonna look at a little more closely tonight again, um, but the intent there was to give us the ability, if necessary, to make some of these changes, but with the advent of our ease of ability to have these board meetings um, and by the way i really appreciate how adaptable and flexible everybody has been and in jumping on these zoom meetings um, i really think that uh, what we're trying to do is bring you these decision points as we get them and we'd much rather you make them as a board um, and so uh, that's why we're bringing you this um, for the first two weeks of this closure, as we try to find our feet underneath us, um, we continue to pay all employees for the work that they're doing, whether they were actively working or not. Um, we did ask some of our hourly employees, especially to do some 
special work for us while they were either at home or like our child nutrition workers are coming up to our facilities um, and doing specific work. And we have been paying those employees at the premium rate of time and a half for the work that they're doing. Um, what we need to do as we enter into phase two of our distance learning starting on April 6th, which is Monday, is we need to get more of our employees engaged and, and working with our students. And so we are asking to bring all of our employees back to work on a regular schedule starting on Monday, April 6th. Um, and what that does effectively is gets rid of premium pay. So we are asking that they, um, that they all be available to work during those hours. Um, most of them are still not going to be doing as much work as they would if they were reporting to regular duty if we weren't in this crisis. Um, but um, we're still going to pay everybody their regular wages. It just means that we are not paying anybody um, additional wages for the work that they're doing. So that's our ask for the board to approve that tonight. Um, that will allow us then to communicate with our employees tomorrow um, those expectations of, of what we need them to do starting on Monday, April 6th. And now this is for an extended time now until May 4th at least. Um, and so uh, we really feel like this is necessary as we go forward. Be happy to try to answer any questions. Of course, Carolyn is on the call too. I don't know if you want to make any additional comments, Carolyn? No, I think you covered it very well. It just allows us to bring more people in to support the work that we're doing um, without having that premium pay concern. I move that the superintendent cease modifications at DEA local with regard to work and premium pay and that employees return to work via remote working practices as purposed by administration. Second. I have a motion uh, first from Pam and a second from Aaron. Um, is there any need for further discussion, board members? Yeah, I've got a question uh, regarding the nurses. Um, originally, the nurses were going to be uh, asked to volunteer or uh, do some work with, uh, with the counties. Uh, is that still uh, within, within the realm of possibility? Would we still be sending them? Uh, or what are your thoughts on that, Dr. Gearing? Yes, um, we had already offered Williamson County 15 of our nurses uh, available to volunteer. Um, we believe mostly in the call centers, um, uh, but uh, we're still offering that as uh, on a volunteer basis for our nurses to sign up for that duty. They would, of course, be getting paid as district employees, um, but they are free to volunteer for, for those duties during that time. All right. And... Uh for the rest of the board and those in the audience. Um, in the course of full disclosure, uh, I've been volunteering at Williamson County and uh, at the beginning of this week, I was made a contract employee for uh, the Williamson County Health District working in that call center and coordinating the efforts of, of the volunteers. So um, just so everybody knows, I did file a conflict of interest form, but uh, in that capacity, I will probably have them reach out to, have Williamson County reach out to you because they're at that point where they're going to need those nurses uh, in the in the coming days if they're available. So I'll coordinate that with you. Thank you. Yes, we'll work with uh, Carrie Lynn and with uh, Kristen Wickenston and Darla Humes to make sure that that happens. All right. Thank you. All right, board members, I have a motion on the table. Is there any other discussion? All right. I uh, have talked to our attorney ahead of time. Because we are doing the video, I can 
uh, officially look at your hands being raised, but you're all in individual little screens and tiles. So if you would hold your hand up for a bit longer than usual in a board meeting, um, for all those who are in support or favor of the, uh, the approval for us this evening, the resolution, would you please uh, signify aye by raising your hand? Oh yeah, yeah, okay, you can all put them down. Um, with seven eyes, no nays, uh, motion carries. All right, we will now move on to our next agenda item. And I should have said this when we started, but on any of the items we do, of course, board members, all of the rules still stand and apply. You can either adopt the resolution, you can not adopt it, you can make an amendment before you, uh, if you see wordings you want to change, you can table it. You have all these options available to you based on the discussion and information you have tonight. Of course, um, if we have any questions as we go along, we can sort that out, but I just wanted to let you know, and we will continue to uh, vote by me looking at all the tiles. So thank you for your patience as I watch that. All right, moving on to our next item, consider approval of resolution regarding GPA class rank policy EIC local. Dr. Gary, do you wanna start us? Yes, ma'am, thank you very much. Um, what this uh, resolution is asking the board to do is to temporarily suspend policy EIC local in order to allow us to calculate GPA and class rank for the 2019-2020 school year based on the first three six weeks, um, based on the semester uh, one of this school year only. Um, those calculations have already been completed um, and students have already been informed of, of where they lie on those calculations. Um, we do feel that this is the only fair way to do this. Um, some of, one of our speakers mentioned the fourth six weeks. Although most of those grades have been calculated and are in place, there are still some that are outstanding. Um, and also, if you think about GPA calculations, they're calculated by semester, um, which includes three six weeks worth of grades plus a semester exam. Um, and we feel strongly that if you just include one six weeks, there are gonna be cases that make that very unfair for certain students. So the only fair way in our mind to do this um, is to use the first semester calculation, which has already been completed. Um, so for graduating seniors, what that means is that this will be their final GPA calculation and class rank will be finalized based on that first semester. They already know where they lie in that regard. For all other students um, uh, and any new students who come into the system, this semester, this current spring semester of 2019-20 will never count towards their GPA. So for instance, if you have eight full semesters of GPA calculation normally, then in this new world, you will actually only have seven semesters that will count towards your GPA calculation and your class rank. Um, we are moving also to a pass incomplete system for this semester. Um, we do have to not only worry about GPA and, and, and class rank, but we also have to worry about credits. And we wanna make sure that our students get every opportunity to accomplish the credits that they need in order to graduate from high school. Um, so we will have some students that we'll be working very closely with over the next several weeks to make sure that they have the opportunity to either make up or to correct um, 
you know, credit issues that they might have. And we have a number of tools and mechanisms in order to accomplish those goals. Um, but really that's for students who are um, really struggling to make um, those credits uh, work for them. Um, there is the possibility that some kids might have had on what's called long averaging. In other words, if they fail the first semester of a course, um, we do count semesters separately. However, um, if they do well enough in a second semester of a course, they are able to long average uh, over the two semesters. And if they have more than a 70 between the two semesters, then we do allow them to get credit um, for those courses. So we will be working very closely on an individual basis with any students who are in that position as well to make sure that we are gaining credits for students as necessary towards their graduation goals. Um, there will be other situations on a very limited basis um, and with very particular needs. For instance, if they have an IEP um, or some special circumstance that will require us to look at their GPA, their class rank more closely. And we will, of course, be working with individual situations in those limited number of cases. But we do not want to get into a situation where we are, um, you know, having students who are vying for particular positions in their class rank or anything like that. Um, those calculations have already been completed and will not be adjusted. So I wanted to be very clear on that issue. Um, we do feel like we're doing this early, um, but we do want to try to inform our teachers and our students and our families of what we're planning to do over this next time in order to, to ease some of the stress that's out there. This is a very stressful and emotional time for all of us as we try to juggle our jobs and try to be homeschool teachers for the first time um, and manage students who are at home and, and work through all the communications that are coming from a lot of different teachers in, in families that have multiple students. And so we want, want to be very cognizant of the fact that this is a challenging time. Um, and we do need to support our students in their learning as much as possible, but we do not need to create any additional stress for families um, during this time. It also bears in mind that we have to make sure that we're being equitable in this, and we have very difficult time guaranteeing that every student can have access to the learning that we're offering at distance over the next several weeks, and that may turn into months. Um, and so we want to be sure that every student is getting the opportunity to get the learning that they need, but we, we certainly don't want to punish anybody who does not have access or has circumstances that we don't understand or don't know about or, or that we have no control over. And so we're being very cautious as we proceed um, in order to make sure that we try to um, benefit all of our students, each and every student, um, in in the best possible way that we can as a school district um, with such a large system. So I'm happy to try to answer any questions. We also have Dr. Bentz, of course, here. We have Sarah Grissom and John Graham um, and Laura Lynn Arterbury who can, can also help with these questions. Dr. Gehring, to clarify what our uh, Board of Trustees are looking at, right? The resolution in front of us addresses one, pass-fail for all student grades. And that's in item number two. Item number one, seems to be looking at high school seniors. And then the third part, is that also addressed to high school seniors or is that for all grades? Because it seems like you're talking about GPA, which is 
going to be mainly your older grades, but it looks like when you're looking at the language, it's targeted towards high school students. So just to make sure we have those broken out correctly for discussions. Yes, so GPA and class rank is specifically targeted at high school students that only starts in ninth grade um, and only courses that are completed in ninth grade and, and beyond are calculated in class rank and GPA calculations. So even if they're completing high school courses as middle school students, for instance, we have a lot of eighth graders who complete algebra one in eighth grade. Um, while that is reflected on their transcript and counts as credit towards high school graduation, it does not compute in their um, class rank and uh, GPA calculation. And all students, therefore, on the spring semester will be having grades recorded as pass or incomplete. That is correct, and that is solely for the purpose of credit um, and graduation. Um, and so none of the grades that are earned in the fourth, fifth, or sixth six weeks of 2019-20 will ever count for any student in a GPA calculation. So I've got a question. Um, obviously, this is a nightmare all the way around, right? And you, you mentioned several scenarios in which we're going to be looking at this for this group of students, or we may be looking at this for this group of students. And I see a, a real potential to exist that uh, from a transparency standpoint. So that, that's part one of the question. And part two is uh, to ensure that we are not uh, handicapping our uh, students as they pursue um, college admission. How does what we're doing compare to what other districts are doing? And is there a potential for other districts to manipulate the system to put our students at a disadvantage because we've chosen a particular course of action? I think it's a great question. Um, I will tell you, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that we're on the forefront of this. And so there are not a lot of other districts who have already taken this action that I know about. Um, in the Central Texas region, as we discussed this with superintendents, um, there was a fairly high level of agreement that this seemed like a good thing to do. I have shared our resolution, our final draft, with uh, the Central Texas superintendent group that I'm a part of, um, and I suspect we'll see several of them do some different things. Um, I will tell you that not everybody will do the same thing, um, and we will see some districts who count four, six weeks grades in some form or fashion, I think we'll see some districts who will um, continue business as usual and they will allow their teachers to count grades over the next several weeks as, as they provide online and, and distance learning opportunities. Um, in our conversations with our TNL team, our central office staff, and particularly with high school and, and middle school principals, um, and also elementary principals, but, but specifically on GPA and class rank with our high school principals, um, we strongly feel that this is the most fair and the best way forward. Okay, and, I, and I appreciate that answer. And uh, I have every confidence that you are trying to do what is in the best interest of the largest number of students in our district. But I'm, I'm really stuck on the getting, getting out in front of this. Uh, this is perhaps one of those areas that I've I'm not sure I want to be the first one to market with uh, with a solution. And is there any discussion that uh, we can have with uh, the TEA or any of our State Board of Education? I mean, something this large impacting so many students across the state, I would think that the State Board of Education 
or, or the commissioner would have to weigh in and level the playing field because that, that quite honestly, that is my greatest fear um, that we do everything the way that we're supposed to. But in the final analysis, other districts have, see this as an opportunity to get more of their students placed ahead of ours. And, and that, uh, th that worries me greatly. Yeah, um, we have been discussing this on the TEA commissioner calls. Um, the TEA has put out grading guidance. It's in uh, several of the updates that I've sent the board in the last couple of days. Um, that guidance is fairly generic um, and really essentially pushes us local control. This is the most I've heard TEA and the commissioner talk about local control um, because it's, it's extremely difficult for them to in this situation to try to um, make these sweeping decisions on what's best for all students. Um, I, I understand your point entirely that GPA and class rank does affect kids as they go away to college. To be honest, I will tell you that I don't think the system's fair as it is. Um, to, so, you know, I, I'm not sure that what we're doing uh, ha has a huge impact on comparison with other students across the state. Um, but I do think we have to make sure that internally we have um, the best decision possible for our students in the Ander ISD. Um, I have a question and then uh, a couple of comments. The first question piggybacks Jim's question just a little bit. Um, in terms of the timing, uh, Dr. Gearing, what, if anything, is driving the timing on this resolution? Is there a forcing function related to our timing? Obviously, I understand the desire to get clarity to our staff as early as we can. Uh, but I, I think well, part of the reason for my question will come out in the comments I make in a minute, but I wanted to start there. Yeah, so our driving force right now is we're shifting into phase two of our learning opportunities and starting with more direct instruction starting on Monday. Um, and we really wanted to make sure that we had clarity out for our um, faculty, our teachers, our principals, as well as our students about this is how we're doing business and this is why we're doing it this way. That's fair. Um, so I, I guess my comments are these, as I've um, considered some of the communication we've had from members of the community on the resolution, um, I've gone out to try and look at uh, what I can see happening elsewhere in the world. To Jim's point, I don't see a lot happening in Texas school districts yet, uh, but I do see movement at the collegiate level in lots of places. And there's essentially two models that I see. Um, in the Ivy League, I see a pass-fail model. Um, in a lot of other universities, A&M, Rice, not Ivy League, but very reputable universities, um, they're giving their students the option of a pass-fail or equivalent um, grading approach. So they can keep their letter grade if they want, or they can opt for a, a pass-fail approach. Um, I think if you're going to an Ivy League college uh, or university, uh, just the degree is going to be enough. Your GPA is not the most important thing, uh, unless maybe you're trying to get into the right med school, uh, post-graduation, those sorts of things. But um, the, the diploma alone will go a long way. For a lot of other more competitive settings, I can understand the interest in trying to maximize GPA for those students that are trying to do so. Um, and, and so I think for 
for our non-high school students, I think this is a non-issue. I think it's only an issue for our, our high school students who are currently enrolled. Uh, and there's, there's a significant um, question that I have yet to resolve in my own mind about um, whether or not the option uh, makes more sense than the single pass-fail system for every student, which um, certainly helps to solve some issues, but I think may inadvertently create some others. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested in that possibility um, and to protect that possibility, um, if I had to give direction today, I would encourage our system to continue to maintain the ability to give A through F grades, um, knowing that we, we may not do that for all students or we may allow some students to opt out of that system. But that would be my initial feedback. I, I understand the desire to get this out quickly and to get direction to our our faculty, but I worry about making a, a rush decision and not getting a chance to hear all the feedback from our community about something fairly consequential to all of our high school students. And I have a, I concur with what, you're, what the comments have been, but you're saying that it will never affect anybody but these seniors, but I worry about the eighth graders taking this ninth grade credit in algebra and they're never gonna have this grade. And I think that uh, is an issue when they graduate four years from now and nobody remembers what happened in COVID. I'm hoping the colleges are gonna make some, some um, common sense decision, holistic approaches this year. I, I think we're all in the same boat. And I think we are trying to do what's best for the majority of the students. I think this is the difference between a large institution of we have in a very small rural school, they can do so much more. Uh, but I do worry about the eighth graders taking the algebra and they're never going to have credit for that. Um, how are we going to address that, to be fair? So to address the eighth grade issue, um, the, the algebra in eighth grade um, will always will show up on a transcript for credit purposes, uh, but is never calculated in a GPA or a class rank calculation. So. That will still be true. They will end up with a P in the second semester for Algebra 1 um, if, if that's what they earned. And that will earn them the same credit as if they had a 95 or an 85 or a, anything else that, that gets them passing that credit um, on their regular transcript. Um, I, I guess that at some point we may put a designation, a little asterisk next to that P with a note on the transcript that says, you know, remember this was COVID-19 and this was true across the entire world, um, but uh, we, haven't, we haven't got down into those kinds of details yet. I hope that answers that question, Pam. It, it does, and I, I have just a lot of concerns about making this decision right now, so I was really interested to see if the other uh, folks had to say. And then the only other comment I have is I've seen just a whole lot of comments on social media about it's optional for kids to, to sign up and, and continue with their studies with LISD. And I, I would like some kind of clarifying statement from you on that. What's optional and what's not optional for our kids right now? So it is not optional for them to participate in the opportunities that we are providing. Um, you know, uh, classes are suspended in our buildings, but instruction is ongoing. We are receiving state funding for that instruction. We are required to make sure that students are participating as much as possible. 
Um, I just want to make sure that we caution to understand that reaching every single student is not 100% guaranteed. It's not 100% guaranteed when we're in the buildings, by the way. Um, and so we're, we're going to do the very best job that we can to make sure that we engage each and every student in opportunities to continue their path in whatever grade level they're in and whatever path they're in in our school district. Um, we're going to make sure that when they don't engage and when they don't participate that we reach out and that we try to make sure that we reconnect them to the system. In my mind, the most important thing that we can do in this time is to make sure that students remain connected to the system, that they feel a sense of belonging, that they are um, building stronger relationships with, with the adults in the system and with the other kids in the system, even if that's via distance methods. Um, the worst thing that we could possibly do is, is lose students um, who are not participating in this time. And so we're working really hard with our principals um, and with our teachers to make sure that they're reaching out to each and every student in the district, that we're connecting to them, that we're meeting their basic needs. We do not know the situations that, that individuals are having to deal with in, in their families. Um, we do not know how those situations will shift over time. Um, as people are losing work, as um, situations change, I, I think we cannot afford to, um, you know, make assumptions about what's happening. Um, the same is true uh, as as I've observed our feeding across the district. Um, you know, we have people showing up in what appear to be very nice vehicles, picking up meals. You can't assume just because they're driving that vehicle today that they don't have that need. And so we've said from the very beginning, we're going to meet the need regardless. If they show up, then we're not asking questions. We're assuming that they have that need and we're going to meet that need if at all possible. And the same is going to be true for learning. Uh, we're going to make the assumption that everybody has a different set of circumstances that we don't necessarily understand or control. Uh, and we're going to do everything in our power to provide the opportunities that they need to continue to be successful. Um, we do know that we have to prepare and plan for next year. I think the first thing that Dr. Ben said was um, we've, we've really reduced down the curriculum to say what is absolutely necessary to prepare kids for the next step in their career, whatever that is, whether that's second grade, third grade, whether that's AP chemistry, whether that's calculus BC. We have to make sure that they're prepared as they enter next year with the skills that they need um, to do that. I will tell you that that a lot of the ownership for learning is going to return to the learner in this situation, and that I think is is really a plus for our system right now. Um, this gives us the impetus and the momentum to change some things that badly needed changing, um, and we're gonna we're gonna use George Curris's approach and say that change is an opportunity to do something amazing, and we're gonna do something amazing with our kids. Dr. Gehring, well said. Um, I think, uh, yeah. Alexis has a comment. I also did need to say on stars and motions. I think we can also postpone this motion to a certain time. So we have options if we need to. We'll talk about those later if we get to that point. And uh, Alexis? Yes, I've received quite a bit of feedback of phase one and teachers and students and how it's going. And I think phase one came with this strange optional doesn't count messaging. And so I hope we really clean up our language and our communication in phase two, because I think with this optional messaging we had or whatever, um, students 
even the best of our best students, AP students and students in IB programs weren't wanting to participate because it didn't count. And so I think that does far more harm uh, moving forward. If we're gonna teach and we're gonna keep educating and we're gonna do distance learning, we need to be committed to it in a way that holds our students accountable and our teachers accountable. Now, I'm not saying that means we don't have grace. We don't obviously know every child's um, independent circumstance. And I think we do have, with the loss of 3 million jobs across the country, I know we have students who are stepping up and working at HEB and providing for their families. Um, so I think that needs to be part of our communication with principals and administrators. Um, but there does need to be some amount of structure so that kids don't have conflicts with other classes and that type of thing that that we're still moving forward now that's our high schoolers and i think that's our biggest thing we've talked the most about here is high school um but once again it we we can't do more harm by not having any sort of accountability and i don't know um you know if it's a pass fail versus grades i think that's flexible i think we can talk about that and work those things out amongst us as a district but just this optional phase needs to go away and we need to really be committed on ap tests are still happening and you still have new material to learn and and this is what's required of you thank you alexis um i'd like to hop in if i can can you hear me Okay. Um, yeah, my concern though is uh, with the grading that over time with teachers being out, we've, we've asked them to do a really heavy lift to shift everything they're doing to online to, I just wonder if this is too much to ask. That's why I am, I'm more leaning towards the, um, the past and the incomplete um, because of the stressors that are out here that the illness, people caring for family members, job loss. I, I just don't want to put too much on the families and our and our staff, honestly. Thank you, Grace. I can say something. I think one of the things we've been really, one of the many things we've been really good at with our communication is letting people know that this is phase, that there's a phase one and there's a phase two. And um, phase one was, hey, let's get used to this new environment. Let's see how this is going to work. And in phase two, there would be new content. And as Dr. Bent said, we're going to have to figure out what that content is. Um, but I think a, a couple of things that are, are I'm, I'm for also a, a pass fail. And as much as it hurts me and, you know, it, I think a lot of us, we can say, oh, our kids had, he had really good or she had a really good six weeks. Um, there's a lot of other things that on a larger scale that we need to stop and think about. We have a lot of teachers that have kids at home right now that they're not able to spend all of that time with their own children, helping them through, through all of the content. You know, we have a lot of families that um, their, their students are now stepping up to be the primary caregiver for a lot of other children at home. And so there's a lot of uh, things that we have to think about to make sure that we're, we're not overburdening those families and then also overburdening um, our, our own teachers that are struggling with trying to 
provide all this content in this new form, in this new space. And then on top of all of this, the entire social emotional wellness of our students and of our faculty and, and our staff. I think that for, for decades, we've been saying that our colleges and our universities put too much emphasis on rank and GPA. And I think this might be the impetus where they're going to look at the holistic view of, of our student. Um, I know I have, I have one child that when he saw this, he was like, hip, hip, hooray, I'm a senior. And I'm, you know, uh, was really happy with, with where it was. And another student who was kind of devastated of, I had the best two, six weeks of my life. And you're going to tell me, it doesn't matter. And I think it's important to tell our kids it does matter. And, and we're going to grow on that. And our students who, who want to be leaders and want to be exceptional and, and want to push to, to higher levels right now, they still can do that. They're going to have to do it in a different way, right? They're going to have to, to be those leaders and, and do more in, in a new and in, in different methods. And so um, I, I ask that um, a question I did have for you, Dr. Gearing, was this method that, that we're looking at, this resolution, this is something I imagine that was a lot of thought was given and a lot of discussion with our principals and our counselors in our high school. Can you talk, can you talk about that a little bit? Because honestly, I can read this and I can think, okay, this sounds like the best plan, but we have experts who deal with rank and GPA and all this at our high schools who know a lot better than I do. Um, so can you tell me what their process and, and what those discussions sounded like for us? So I'm gonna ask, uh, we have Matt Benz here, of course, we have Steve Clark too, and I think uh, he brings an important perspective. Um, and of course, Sarah Grissom and, and Laura Lynn and John as well. So. Um, Dr. Benz, I'll turn it over to you um, to start. Sure. So I just want to say how impressed I've been with the conversation as a whole. Madam President, by the way, good evening. Um, you, All of the talking points that I was going through in my head, just about all of them have been discussed um, already in one, one shape or form. But I'll start at the end and uh, with what Lori was talking about, that there, there has been I mean, it may feel like a compressed timeline. Everything is in a compressed timeline right now, but there has been, every day is like a week. Um, I feel like, and it's a whole new world, but there's been so much deliberation about this um, that brought us to you in front of you today to talk about this resolution to, you know, word for word, the people you mentioned, um, the, our instructional coaches, teaching and learning, area superintendents, our, our teacher leaders, um, our principals, and I can tell you that um, every single one of our high school principals, we met with them multiple times about this, including this morning, to confirm, you know, what you know what they wanted to do and what they felt like was the most important thing to do. And Steve has been in those conversations the whole time. It was unanimous, and it was actually eight to nothing because that included uh, New Hope and Leo as well that they felt like um, going to a passing complete and not even a pass fail and passing complete is an important distinction, but also that the most equitable thing to do would be to cut it at 
at the, that third six weeks. And and to other people's points, Aaron talked about the that the number of the Ivy League universities have gone there, Harvard in particular, uh, UT and, and several others are offering it. And, and when you think about it, some of the points that have been made, I think Grace made some valid points about people and circumstances and preparation. Um, people that work at the college level, most of the professors and the students have some level of knowledge and have had experiences um, in an online format and providing online instruction. And, um, and students have all taken at least one blended or online course by now. Um, but the principals strongly felt, and we agreed with them, that moving forward with that pass incomplete is the best just to ensure equity. Like Grace said, our families are going through this unparalleled time in history, whether we're talking the personal piece, um, job loss, illness, our, our teachers are, are right in there. We're all in this together. Um, then also when we look at the kids and families and ensuring connectivity, we've had so many more um, in, uh, influx of, of information from families just talking about how when my husband is online, I have to do my work. I've got three kids and we're trying to figure out the right time when they get online, that it is, a, it is very challenging at different levels at each and every family, how this learning is going to take place and how they're going to get expanded bandwidth um, when Spectrum and AT&T aren't always as quick with their visits now that we are under a stay at home safe order. The other piece is with our teachers. They have just risen above, and I talked about it last time, which was only like four days ago. It feels like forever and a day ago, but how, they have risen to the challenge with the best intentions and with the highest level of enthusiasm and just more than we could have expected. But when you think about it, you know, they're working, they're basically studying diligently and attending all these professional learning sessions and taking all the guidance and resources that we provide. And they're trying to learn to become online instructors basically overnight and getting their minds around what instruction, activities, assignments will look like, um, and just people are adjusting at different rates, and people have different comfort levels. And in it, just kind of in conclusion, there's just so many variables. There are too many variables to logically logically conclude that we'll have a consistent, calibrated, validated, and re reliable method for overall grade calculation that is going to be consistent across the board. Um, as you've heard, GPA, and as you've mentioned, GPA and rank really is, in, it's high stakes and it's impacting students' lives and their futures. And we can't get this wrong. We cannot get this wrong. And so Steve, have anything to add? I do, Dr. Bentz. Um, I put on a collared shirt tonight, so I feel like I got to say something here. So um, uh, I do want to try to help allay some of the fears um, that were expressed and that, um, you know, TEA, obviously, they've never given guidance on how to calculate GPA and rank. They've always, <clears throat> excuse me, stayed out of that. Um, so that's always been a district level decision. Um, and if you look at if you compare how we calculate GPA and rank to how our surrounding districts and other districts within the state, you're going to find multiple, multiple, multiple ways that GPA is calculated. So if you compare us to another district in the area, 
we probably include more courses than other districts um, surrounding us. Um, so we all calculate things a little bit differently. Um, I don't fear that a student would jump ahead. Um, I'm not as concerned about that because from another district, because we're really looking internally at our students. So we think top 10% or top 25%, which we're statutorily required to um, uh, provide students, that's within our district and within our buildings. So top 10% at our high schools only. Um, I do think um, our, our universities are, are looking more holistically and that GPA and rank is not the only thing that they're looking at these days. Um, so they're looking um, at test scores, um, the opportunities for higher level course learning that were awarded or uh, available to students and if they took advantage of those. So they are looking um, beyond just the top 10% and the top 25%. Um, I also feel like an a, a course that we offer a grade to should be equal across years. So an AP Calc BC semester two should be equal to an AP Calc BC class that's gonna occur in the future. So learning is going to look a little bit different with this semester as we, if our students participate in their learning at home and are more self-directed, whereas in the future there might be, it's gonna be different because it's more campus-based and more directed uh, by the teacher, maybe a little more work. So I feel like that's an equity issue where um, they should be apples to apples on that. Um, so those are kind of my thoughts on it. I will say that I was in the meetings with the principals and counselors again today, and we had lots of discussion around it. And to get those two groups uh, to unanimously agree on anything is, uh, uh, is hard. And they unanimously, both groups unanimously agreed on that today, that we would be doing our, it would be, better for us to go to a pass and complete and not include this in uh, in our ranking at this time. Um, we are exploring the opportunity or the ability to put a disclaimer on here. So there's some type of a, a special note. Um, I can't promise that. We have to look at our vendor uh, and see if that's a possibility to add that to the transcript, but that is something that we are exploring as well. Uh, I just apologize, can I just add one? Sorry, Trish, I didn't mean to. So one last thing, and it is very short, I promise you, is just related to that idea of the um, outside, somebody outside our district getting ahead. And Steve talked about, you know, uh, the, the, the percentage in the top 10 and things being an internal calculation. You do see some adjusted verbiage uh, for the resolution in front of you today. And that was to the one way or the one area where a student from outside of our district uh, could end up getting ahead of our students if they moved and transferred into our district at a time after the closure's over. So we um, looked at and talked about how that, how that resolution should be amended or adjusted so that the playing field will be leveled um, for students that move into our district at a later time and will not have that entire, you know, potentially an additional semester of of points that would be added in to figuring their GPA that our uh, that our students wouldn't have had access to. So I just wanted to explain that. My question is on pass incomplete is, um, so if they do seven out of 10 assignments, then they would get a pass. Is that what we're looking at? 
Or what's the defining of them getting an incomplete? Steve, I thought you were gonna jump right in on that one. You're my resident expert, man. I handed it off. Sorry, I was I was texting someone. Um, I I think I don't know that we've gone to that level of detail on the past incomplete grading policy yet. I do think that's something we're going to we will be providing in the next couple of days on how um, we determine the past incomplete. Um, so I, I don't have the full answer on that piece yet. Yeah, I just want it to be consistent among all all campuses, all middle school versus high school type situation, whatever it is. I'd like to follow up on that on that question too, because you mentioned you, you don't have yet some of those details worked out. Um, and I'll go back to maybe some earlier questions that board members asked. Um, seeing that y'all have done a lot of discussion and this is a good way to go or this is what you're seeing right now. Do you think there'd be any harm incurred in your decision making or teaching or learning or students if we waited a few more days for you to work out these details or we waited a week? Um, what do y'all think about that? So I would I would prefer not if you're asking me. I just want to prefer to be honest with my with my eight bosses who are who are sitting here on camera with me. Um, when, one of the things that our principals really drove home to us and our and in concert with our our counselors and our core, our curriculum coordinators was the need to establish some of these key decisions as a foundation for developing the curriculum and how it was going to look and how it was going to function and what was going to be the most, um, create the most um, support and equity, but also uh, for our teachers to develop the lesson plans. And so that's why we started talking about this up front, even though it, it seems like some of the technical pieces that you would figure out after you create a vision for what you're hoping to accomplish, really, we felt like the, they came to us and said, this needs to be figured out before we can even get our minds around um, how we would move forward. So that is why we, we put it up at, you know, as soon as possible and we've been talking about it for about a week and a half now. I could just add one additional thought. Um, I think one of the things we're not thinking about right now because we're not directly in this situation, but the harsh reality is this pandemic the disease part of the pandemic has not hit us yet. So we only have 42 cases right now in Williamson County. But when we have thousands of cases in Williamson County and our students and parents and teachers are getting sick and potentially very sick, I think we need to think about the equity part of that situation too. Um, I, I suspect that we're gonna get a lot worse before we get better. Um, and we just wanna make sure that we're making good decisions um, from the get-go um, with, with that harsh reality, unfortunately, in mind too. So one thing I did want to say is, um, uh, well, two things, you know, I think as we try to move away, it's an opportunity to uh, have learning and mastery of content in a different format, as opposed to you have to have X number of assignments completed to get past. I think this is an opportunity for our students and our teachers to have some freedom to demonstrate mastery of content through maybe multiple ways, you know? Um, and so I just kind of watching what my own kids are doing, 
this couple past couple of days, it's very impressive that they're having some freedom to do some things. And so um, it's actually kind of exciting to me on a personal level, um, kind of what I've, what I always wanted my kids to do. Um, the second thing I did want to clarify just about algebra in eighth grade, those have any eighth grade course has never been included in GPA and calculation. It's always any high school course after the completion of eighth grade. So those courses will still be on there in all of our courses, whether it's in eighth grade or ninth, 10th, 11th, will still be on there and the students will still receive state credit. Um, it will just be indicated by a P or an I and hopefully mostly P's to be honest. So, When you're talking about the case by case situation, some of our classes might be uh, front loaded. I, I think that's the only word I can think of right now for it, but you might have a better one where there's the harder content in the first part of the semester but maybe the next part of the semester isn't going to be um, as challenging. Like you've got the skills down, a lot of the learning, and now you get to put it into practice. And so those grades might have been higher. And so you balance out overall through the year. Are those things you all be looking at as well as you all move through? Or do you think still this is going to be the most equitable for some of those students who took maybe different extracurricular courses or um, thinking of an engineering course that um, where you have more your CAD development on the back end. I think it's going to be equitable because it's, I mean, with any GPA calculation, there's going to be some folks that love it and some people that don't. And so I think as long as we're fair and consistent and just saying that this is our cutoff point and we're, go we're not going to include this semester because I think you do have those variables where maybe a course especially your AP and potentially IB courses where you're very much heavily focused on getting the content in and then you're and you slowly get towards May and you're doing some prep for the AP and IB exams, you know, that could, so it's not as much new uh, learning. Well, I, I don't want to say that, but it, there's, there is that potential that you're doing a little bit of test prep in there for the AP exams. So I, uh, so I think this is just, it's a way for us to be fair and consistent across the board with all of our students. And so when they come in and with, uh, they wanna talk about it, I, mean, I don't really, yeah, be fair and consistent. Thank you. Gloria and Aaron, I saw y'all's mic go, oh, Grace. However y'all wanna do it in what order. Um, I, I agree with um, Dr. Gary and our administration that this is, this is probably the most, this is the most fair, way to roll this out. I think we all hate it <laughs> to some level of just we're having to do this, right? Um, my fear that I have that, you know, Jim mentioned and Aaron is another school district doing something different that puts our students at a disadvantage. And I don't know if that will happen. I think that, you know, we are on the front end and, and coming out with this type of resolution. I know a lot of other school board members that this is what their school district is talking about and they're looking at some type of resolution either tonight or you know and other other nights this week but um i really what i really hope to see is i really hope to see ta and and mike morath and come out and say all districts in the state of texas um, need to do something. I think that's what is the most fair and equitable thing to do. And so me as an individual school board member will be 
focusing some attention that way to TEA, asking them to make this fair and equitable for all of our students in the state by mandating something where all school districts are doing something similar. I know that all of a sudden local control is very important to them, but um, hopefully in these at this area that we're in, this unprecedented situation, they will help out and, and do what's right for all of our students. I've spoken to um, many teachers and staff members, and I'd really like to encourage the board to consider the stress that, that our staff is under and that our children are under. Um, I think this is fair and equitable. It's, I think it's the best solution that could have come up with. Um, so I'm, I'm in support. Um, I have, I guess, two final follow-up questions. Um, the first is simply, did we consider making this optional for students so that they could choose uh, the past incomplete option versus an ATF grade? Or has it always been uh, the approach we're seeing tonight? So that's question number one. And then question number two is, and this kind of goes along with a comment I made at our last meeting. This is more a comment than a question, really. But um, I understand the, the challenges. I am sensitive to the um, inequities and, and all the things that we're trying to address. I also recognize that we don't know what the future will be. Uh, it's possible that the current situation endures into the first semester of next year or that a recurrence of the virus causes us to be in a similar situation we're having to do distance learning um, i just i don't know how much grace we have to figure out how to potentially deliver education via this model in a durable way and so to the the sort of durable model comments i made at the last meeting uh, i worry a little bit that we're um uh, i'll be i'll be gentle i we're taking a bit of a mulligan here maybe and saying this is really difficult for us to consider A through F grades right now in these conditions. I get that, but how long is that the case? And do we have to think about a model that uh, can actually deliver education in a standardized way through these means, right? Bruce, I, I'm just um, thinking, is there, is, would it be appropriate or is there any way that we could share directly with uh, some, some of our board members or all of our board members uh, some of the uh, teaching and learning uh, curriculum documents that are being created for phase two just so they can see and maybe I would think get a grasp of the, um, that we're not taking a mulligan. I, I mean, I'm no, just, no, I don't sorry, clarify. I'm, yeah, and I'm not suggesting, oh. And I apologize. I'm sorry, Matt. I don't mean to talk over you. I just, I, I'm not suggesting that we're taking a mulligan in the sense that phase two isn't real education. This is not going back to the earlier comment. Um, the mulligan reference is directly at the past incomplete grading system. And, and my point is that may work now, but at some point in the future, potentially, would we need to be able to deliver A through F grades in this in this environment, right? Um, and in a in a model where we have durable, hardened curriculum and instructional methods and all of this for remote instruction, can we effectively deliver A through F grades? 
Aaron, are you asking though for later, like if we went into next school year? Because if that's the case, and that's that's it's a good question. I just don't know if that deals with what our district is trying to face tonight. I think they're looking for something a little more immediate because we have yes. Yeah, so it's a great clarification. They're kind of two distinct thoughts, right? The first was a question about did we consider the optional approach um, in, in this particular resolution. Um, that some universities are taking right now to the current situation. And then the, the comment is an observation about further out longer term as we're building that durable model for remote instruction in the future, seems to me that uh, getting back to a normal A through F grading system as part of that would, would be expected by our community and, and something that we need to be able to deliver with that long term. Yeah, I'd like to address that if I may. I, I think the first question is one of comparison. So, for instance, UT operates out of a learning management system called Canvas, um, which is very allows for very reliable delivery of instruction to every student in the system um, on a very consistent basis from teacher to teacher, um, from professor to professor. Um, allowing for, of course, academic um, ownership of, of those courses. Uh, I know this for a fact because we spent a lot of time in my previous district developing the path to implementing a learning management system. And in fact, we implemented Canvas. And so watching um, Dripping Springs in this transition is a little different from us. Um, because they're able to, after a year inside the learning management system, deliver a very consistent product to kids, even though they don't necessarily like it, um, it, it. It is a great tool to, to do that. We don't have a learning management system per se. We have a lot of different tools that allow us to develop um, and to deliver instruction, but I do have some concern about the consistency of that delivery over time. So I think right now, for the foreseeable future, and right now, we're essentially closed until May 4th. Um, I don't think we have the ability that you're talking about of ensuring the delivery of instruction in an equitable enough way to hold accountability to A through F grades. Do we need to develop that if this continues over the long term? I believe we do. Um, and we are already working on making that happen. I think you've seen phase one. We're about to enter phase two. I know that Dr. Benz and his team already have phase three um, in development. Um, I did, by the way, share some of, I shared the principal conversation notes with the board today. Um, I took the liberty of doing that earlier, Dr. Benz, so I hope you don't mind, but um, I, I felt like the board members needed to see some of that depth um, and some of the work that's going on behind the scenes that they never see. Uh, normally, I wouldn't share that detail at the board level because you don't really need to know that level of detail, but in this case, I felt like it was important for you to see the incredible work that's going on under this behind the scenes um, to, to make the delivery of, of really quality instruction possible in a very short amount of time in a completely different way than we had ever anticipated having to do. Um, so yes, we still have weakness in the system. 
I don't think we're ready and robust enough to deliver consistency of instruction to hold kids accountable to numerical A through F grades at this time. And so we strongly feel like this is the best way to step forward at this time. That doesn't mean we can't change this at some point in time, by the way. If we get to May 4th and, and this situation extends for another month, um, you know, we're certainly constantly looking at this again to see when are we ready to step to phase three. Um, Dr. Gary, if I can make three comments. One is a PSA for the amazing notes Dr. Gehring is sending us board members, the links and the hyperlinks. Um, I tried it a couple of times in my Outlook. If you try it in browse mode, you might not be able to actually access those links. You need to save it. And then you can get on there and you can go and get into those links and see an amazing amount of detail. I haven't asked Donna to forward any of the TA updates because those are included in our links. So we're getting all that information. Uh, if you have more questions though, please let Donna know if, if it's not getting to you or you're not getting it done because Dr. Gehring and, and the district is doing a phenomenal job on communicating with us and, and letting us see even like kind of the mechanism behind the curtain. So thank you so much, uh, Dr. Gehring. Seeing those notes was very helpful um, as uh, I got ready to come into this meeting to kind of look behind the curtain of all that research and uh, learning that's being laid out. Um, so that's one thing. Two, uh, expectations of a community. I think we've talked about how we're going to um, manage the expectations of our community. And one thing I, I don't know if it's, if it's clear, I don't know if it's fair, and I don't think it is fair to ask our district to be able to project too far down the road. I mean, we're looking at right now eight weeks for what the rest of this school year looks like. And eight weeks is, is kind of something we need to deal with. But Correctly enough, this may impact the summer. We, we don't know all these answers yet. So um, I think the expectations for our community is to please be patient. And uh, the district's trying. I, I see it in your evidence, your information, your communication. I think you're doing a phenomenal job. Um, and if, if we have questions, I see the community reaching out through governance or let's talk. And um, it looks like our rates are, are responding to them are good. So I appreciate uh, the community being okay with the fact that we don't get to know too far out on our answers. We don't know yet what the structure is gonna look like. And uh, my final remark is for our board members. Y'all might remember when we were in Philadelphia at a convention, we went to a school that was trauma informed. And um, at that time, what I thought was interesting was the reason the school counted themselves as trauma informed was because of the economic shift that that community had faced. And it changed so much in the community. Uh, they went through some some learning and some different structure in place to consider themselves a trauma-informed district. So um, I'm going to go dust off my notes. That might be something interesting as well, uh, because we might face that as we keep moving forward. So, uh, Grace. Yes, um, I just wanted to mention, I think Aaron's point about going to an A through F system is more realistic in the fall. Um, just because we need time, if we're going, if we're going to, be to establish that to, to, to for the teachers to do training, um, as someone who's taught in the classroom and then had to, and then taught online, that blackboard learning curve is huge. So I, I think it can be done. I just don't think it can be done this quickly. And I'd like to jump in real quick just to say that uh, my my stated concern. Um, was by doing this, are we potentially putting at our, our kids at a disadvantage as compared to everyone else in the state? Um, but after hearing um, 
Steve and Matt and Dr. Gearing, um, I, I have every confidence that uh, that the work has gone into creating the best solution for right now. To Aaron's point, yes, uh, that's probably a conversation for somewhere down the road in terms of um, how do we get to A through F if this thing drags on into next year. But that's uh, like it's already been mentioned. That that's not for tonight. So um, thank you for all of the information. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with where we're at, and uh, I appreciate the work that went into it. Um, what, one other comment I'd like to make. I, well, I do share, as I mentioned, the same concerns that Jim has about putting our students at a disadvantage. One thing that colleges and universities have been very open about telling us when they look at ranking and GPA, they're looking at that mainly within that school. They're using it to look at how you rank in GPA with your peers. Um, and so even if another school district did something very different, the amendment that was made to the resolution really addresses that, that if a student came from a district that was doing something different, it would still be modified to match what we're doing. And I think that that, that covers that. Um, so, so I really appreciate that resolution and, and you guys thinking that through and how that may future impact. Thank you. Hello, I move that the board approve the resolution regarding GPA and class rank policy EIC local as presented. I have a motion from Pam. Is there a second? I'll second. second. I think Gloria beat me. I, I saw her hand go up. So Gloria seconded. All right. Is there any further discussion? One thing I like to point out is when we, uh, Gloria, I do, I still love local control. I know you do too. Um, so I would say the mandate I would ask for is just not to let other districts or kind of give us the opportunity, not more talking to colleges that we all have the same vocabulary. Um, uh, but I still love that local control. So it's going to, you do too. So it's going to be an interesting balance as we move forward. Okay. Um, any more discussion on this? Not seeing any, no hands raised. Um, I need a motion by raising your hand if you are in support of the resolution. All right. I see seven eyes, no nays. Wait, yes, yes, seven eyes, no nays. Motion carries. Dr. Gehring, I'm going to move on to the next agenda item. Yes. Um, go ahead and, and I don't have the right name, but it's a resolution to amend our resolution. Yeah, <laughs> it is a approval of amendment to board resolution regarding delegation of authority during emergency. There you go. Yes, thank you, Madam President. We do have an amendment to the board resolution regarding delegation of authority during an uh, emergency. Um, and this follows on from discussion we had at a prior board meeting about um, the superintendent approving waivers and then bringing those back to the board as soon as possible for ratification. Um, and so you'll see in the amended resolution, um, and thanks to Holly, who is on the call and can answer any questions um, for doing that modification for us. So she will work closely with Sean to do that. Um, but number nine now says that in the event the superintendent applies for any waivers under authority of this resolution, the superintendent will present the waivers for board ratification to ensure compliance with the Texas Education Code, Chapter 11 and Section 7.056. Um, and so uh, we are asking you for uh, approval of this amendment to that resolution tonight. I have a question. Yeah, please ask Holly. Yeah, Holly. Um, 
did we have to have this amendment in our resolution to move forward? I thought our discussion was that we could move forward without amending the resolution and just Dr. Gehring would bring us back the waivers uh, as needed. The, the, the amendment is based on language from CEA's FAQ of March 30th um, that recommends board ratification. It is obviously something that could be done um, without this. The I think our discussion at the last meeting was that this would give this more structure and give a clear expectation to the administration that um, the board would like the opportunity to ratify the waivers. Okay. Um, after this, this is this is why I bring it up, and because we're in a new environment of being remote, this is my concern with this. The discussion last time, and I remember it specifically, you had Jim and Grace that definitely wanted to dot the I's and T's and wanted this resolution, wanted this amendment. Then you had Gloria and Alexis and myself saying we were fine with Dr. Gearing bringing it back. Then I asked Aaron specifically, and he said he didn't matter either way to him. Just one second. So I'm just wondering how we got to this point where the resolution was made if it wasn't a directly a board directive. This is such a simple thing. My bigger concern is the next time. How are we going to make sure the board's voice is heard and not overrode because this is very difficult doing this online. We don't get to talk to each other anymore. We There's no communication. So it's very important to me that what the board gives directives, and I know Dr. Gehring hates that word, but I've used it for 17 years, so sorry. When the board gives instructions or recommendations that that is carried out as opposed to just deciding behind scenes that this is what we're gonna do. That's my fear. This is a simple subject, it's no big deal. I'm more concerned for the next time. But let's make sure too, that we're very clear on some of the things. One, board structure does not cease to operate when we go into video conferencing. Therefore, you only need two individuals to put something on the agenda. The board can either vote for it or not, but it only takes two people to put it on agenda. Closed so are you saying that's what happened here? I'm saying closed session discussions still have to stay closed session and you can't talk about them out in open session. But I can tell you that you get consensus, um, a thought, and so going with the fact that you only need two for an agenda item, um, if you get a general, if out of legal questions that Holly's being asked in closed session, she feels that we can put it on the agenda and then talk about it, um, or that looks like the general direction that we're going in, we'll put that item on the agenda. As a board, y'all can discuss it. Y'all can either say no, we want to, you know, postpone this to another time. We want to table it, vote it down, vote it up. Board will is critical here, but it's also important not to talk too much in closed session because that would violate closed session. When when an item needs to be discussed like this at this point, you have to stop that closed discussion. We leave legal questions and move it into open for further discussion. Was this in closed? Did we discuss this in closed? This is closed. This 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 agenda item was closed. The legal questions we had legal questions to Holly that were asked in closed. Okay, but it it, it still doesn't really go to what point that I'm just trying to make but, softly as I can. But uh, I understand what closed means, but thank you. Yes. So if we have two uh, members that show somewhat of a consensus, 
then you'll probably see an item on the agenda because we want to avoid having too much deliberation and close. We wanna make sure that we move things in open for full discussion for our public to see. Well, Trish, I understand that. Thank you so much for that clarification. I understand closed just fine. Um, my question was though, this the consensus was done out in the open. So I, 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 I was just confused. I'll go back and look. Okay. All right. Are there any other questions about this resolution? So is there an option just to table this so that we can have further discussion about this? Because it seems like there may be other board members and myself included that have additional questions that um, about the resolution. And since it is a legal thing, that would be a closed session. So I almost feel like maybe we should table this. And maybe in the future, if it's because we're in this Brady Bunch look, that maybe we put this was a closed discussion as opposed to an open discussion because I truly can't remember it all looked the same at the at the end just as a reminder well uh, just a sorry just a quick comment I, I think we did discuss this with our attorney in closed at the prior meeting um and so I think Trish is correct that this was brought forward based on that conversation um, to Gloria's question, we can discuss it as much as we'd like to tonight. If you have a legal question that um, needs to be discussed in closed session with our attorney, we do have closed session on the agenda tonight. So we could do that tonight and come back into open and take action on this. Or if uh, the board wants, we can take no action on it tonight. But it, it is here for discussion and we do have the opportunity to take action on it, just like everything else tonight. So the item that you have tonight before you, um, in case you're looking at the resolution, and, and Holly, please clarify if you need, is that TEA had come out with some um, additional language and clarifications. And they, um, is it suggested or was it just guidelines? But since they didn't originally speak to this, they said you can amend your resolution to make sure that we're all on the same page, uh, that Dr. Gehring is going to bring it to us after. I don't, I don't know how much more time as a board y'all really want to spend on this. We can spend as much time as y'all want discussing, uh, but we have Holly here too to add any clarification as well. Right. It is suggested. It's a recommendation by TEA that the board uh, ratify superintendent request for waivers. And Dr. Gehring, does this change your, your action? I mean, I think you're already planning to do this. So this is just, I mean, we can add the word or we cannot, but I think you're already on, under the impression this is what we're asking for. Uh, yes, ma'am. And, and really to take it even one step further, I'll say that I'm hoping that we never get in this position because the intent is to not use any of the powers in that resolution um, other than the pay items, which, um, and, and I think this is an example tonight of when we brought item number one to you, um, that is, we could have done that by ourselves and then brought it back to you as an information item or for ratification, but we chose instead to bring it to you as a board because we're able to do that. Um, and we're going to try to do that at every opportunity possible. We're going to try to do it with normal board meeting notice of 72 hours in order to try and stay as transparent as possible with our, with our community. 
Um, and so at every opportunity, we're going to try to do this as a board. Um, should the need arise at some point, and we don't know, because these are very uncertain times, um, that I have to approve something, uh, certainly my intention is to bring it back to the board at the first possible opportunity for ratification if that's necessary, um, whether this resolution is in place or not. Um, so I'm very comfortable either way. And board, I'd rather not prolong the debate if we don't need to. There's there's a lot of stuff we're asking the district to deal with. So, you know, up or down vote is fine or table to just say, no, we're just going to move this off. But some type of clear direction tonight, I think, would be better for the district. At the um, so with that, any other questions? I was just going to say that uh, I saw this whole exercise for tonight more as a uh, housekeeping to make sure that we're in compliance with what uh, what our governing bodies um, had asked for. Um, and quite honestly, I'm I'm to the point where this has commanded a whole lot more attention than than it probably needs to. So the sooner we can get this thing wrapped up and, and moved on, we, we can actually take care of some some pressing matters. So I, I would really like to get this thing cleaned up tonight. Okay. And uh, I'm going to turn my mic off now. I thought you were going to make the motion, Jim. <laughs> yeah, with the fluid situation that it is. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. With with everything being fluid and moving quickly, I think I think this is just a way to ensure that everyone gets the same communication and that and I like that we're following the TEA parameters. So with that, I'm going to move that the board approve the amended board resolution regarding delegation of authority during emergency as presented. And I'll second. I have a motion from Grace and a second from Jim. Any more discussion? And my right. discussion was more on just procedures of the future and very little about this. Wonderful. All right. So, board members, without further ado, any, uh, okay, all those who are in favor, say aye by holding your hand so I can count it up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven ayes, no nays. The motion carries. Um, board members, we will continue, uh, just because it was asked, about how we're going to keep operating as our board operating procedures state, so two or more can bring something on an agenda, um, but we will be bringing items on the agenda that are crisis or, or situations like housekeeping like this, just to keep us moving in um, a direction, keep us moving forward. Dr. Gehring, um, I believe that wraps up everything, unless y'all have a need for us to go into closed session. We have nothing else at this time. Thank you. Awesome. Board members, thank you for being so flexible for having yet another meeting back to back. Your time and your attention is much appreciated. I um, thank Dr. Gehring and the district. You have shown us a great example of collaboration and working together. Thank you all. Take care. Be safe. And uh, we'll see when our next meeting is. I think Dr. Gehring will send something out in a, in a week or two about that. So thank you so much. Meetings adjourned.